Um, let me begin just simply by saying um, how grateful and thankful I am for your ministry um, and humbled by the opportunity to come here. Uh, I don't know how much you know of being, um, I, I grew up in the church, um, and so we define the role of churches sometimes between churches as this Christian competition um, and have this sadness, a little bit of an evilness between each other. Um, and so to be embraced by another church is overwhelming sometimes. Um, and it's encouraging as a pastor in this community to say, there's a church praying for us um, and uniting in that. And that is that's, that's helpful, um, not only for our church, but also for, for me as a pastor. And um, I'm thankful to be here. Um, this morning, uh, in a selfish way, uh, I'm thankful that I get to wear jeans. <laughs> I, I kid you not, at 7 a.m. this morning, I was getting dressed. I had my typical Sunday outfit on, um, high and tight is what I call it. And I text Les, who's a good friend of mine, I said, jeans or khakis? And he texts back with jeans, and the, and the word just came, jeans. And I was like, <laughs> yes. Um, so it's a good news to me already this day, and it's so comfortable to be here. Um, and so I already feel the community, I'm thankful for it. Um, we're going to go to John 21 this morning. Um, but before we go there, I'd like to give you a little bit of the history um, with John 21. And most of it you know, but you just need to make sure that you're dealing with someone in John 21, Peter who is a fisherman um, by trait. He began that way, and that's where Jesus found him. Um, in those words, he said, follow me, and just like Forrest Gump, jumped out of the boat, started swimming, and said, I will follow you and go right after you. Um, in the midst of that, he had an up and down. You know, yeah, I'm right there with you. Ooh, maybe not. I'm right there with you, Jesus. Maybe not. Um, kind of this in and out roller coaster relationship um, that sometimes you can define that in my life uh, with Jesus. I'm even saying at some point, says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to fight for you, Jesus. And at the very end, um, I don't think he was a very good fighter um, because we did. He swung the sword and all he got was an ear um, and just missed. And you can see Jesus a bit embarrassed going, no, don't, just don't. Um, let me handle this. Um, and Peter saying, no, I'm going to be faithful through, you, through it all. Um, and Jesus said, you're going to struggle. Let's just let's face it. And in that, um, Peter is the one who denied Jesus three times knowing it was coming, um, and there's a, a huge teaching lesson there. Um, but in the midst of this, I'm going to talk about um, some images in the church that we've used, um, images that our church uses, um, that we're really trying to break. Um, we're trying to redefine church at First Presbyterian, um, but it's a lot like moving a huge cruise ship. Um, it's difficult. Um, we're trying to re-steer the Titanic here before we hit and crash, um, and we're trying to redefine a lot of old history and tradition. Um, we're embracing that, um, but we're also struggling a lot with it. Um, we're excited because um, we copied a book from other churches, and we started Alpha about a year ago, and that has been a huge blessing to our church. Um, as I hear, I'm so excited that y'all are a part of that as well. And um, it's neat. Last week, um, we became a little uh, outgoing as a church. Someone shared a testimony. Um, <laughs> you know, and for us, it's, I mean, that's a huge step. Um, as someone gets forward, and especially an adult, um, began to say, man, I thought I was messed up, but then I met all you people, and you're really messed up. <laughs> and I would throw out at the church, like, this is going to be good. Um, so that's exactly where we're at. We're redefining a lot of these things, and we're using, um, we're, we're looking, and actually, I told Davis that we're copying other churches, and um, that we feel are really doing some incredible things. Um, we're redefining terms, um, what it means to be church. Um, we've been fighting for First Pres, um, and we're trying to realize we need to fight for God's kingdom. Um, and that's tough. It's tough to, to, to embrace people, what they've learned forever and ever, um, but yet say, that's beautiful, that's wonderful, and let's move to another step. 
Um, this morning, I want to embrace the idea of those who fish. I love to fish, and I don't catch much. Let's start there. Um, but that, that's been a term, you know, be fishers of men, and it's a beautiful term, and you'll find it in Scripture, and we're embracing that, but we're trying to move it to another step. Um, but hear this, because um, it's some of you who've been brought up in church to this idea of fishing. Um, it's a beautiful term. It's a great analogy. Um, I just want to take it a step further. Um, and as one who loves to fish, this actually this week, side note, I um, did a little bit of research, um, and I'm a cheap person when it comes to money. Um, and so I finally made the big step after six weeks of going on the Internet, and I bought a fly fishing rod and the cute little pants. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to wear them. Um, I've only been fly fishing once in my entire life. Um, so I'm one who embraces this idea and want to give it a shot. Pray for me in that um, and for my, my wife in that. So we see this um, person who's been brought up and understanding fully Peter who's grabbed hold of fishing, um, understands that language, understands that term when Jesus says, go out and be fishers of men. It, it connects to it. It makes sense for him. Um, so know that, note that, that after Jesus' death, what does he do? He just knows nothing else but to go back to fishing. Um, and so he says, go fish. Um, and Jesus meets them there again um, in John chapter 21. But then he starts saying some different things to him in verse 15. If you have your Bible, read along with me, or I think it will be on the screen. Awesome. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Let's pray real quick. Father, upon hearing of your word, we may be a bit overwhelmed or even confused. Lord, at this moment and this time together as a community, as a body, that you have called us to be the bride of your, your church, help us to understand and be moved closer to you. Bring clarity to what it means to be a disciple. So Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. You see, what happens here is just this transition. Um, and the simplest understanding of transition is a movement from one thing to another. Um, and we live by these every single day, these idea of transitions. Um, we don't always call them transitions, um, but we are, it, it shapes us. Um, those are the things that make us nervous because we want these things to go well. I mean, if a transition goes well for us, um, then that was success- successful. Um, I, when the Olympics came on, um, I was the one who was up midnight, one, two in the morning, um, that had to watch it um, because, especially in relays, you want them to touch the wall and the transition to go well and everything to go smoothly, and it, it, it's intense almost for a while. Um, you see these in conversations, and you see this in your business life. If this transition goes well, then this it means this for our lives and for our business. Um, it's something we grab hold of, and it's something we love, and there's nothing wrong with it. 
Um, and they're absolutely critical. There is a study that went on years ago about Sesame Street. And here's a, another weird thing about me. I love trying to figure out, and I wouldn't say you as much as I say me, why I do the things I do. What is it that, that shapes people and, and our actions and the decisions we make? Um, what keeps us from not being so focused at times? And what helps us get focused? Um, they did a study on Sesame Street. And so imagine this. They took an episode of Sesame Street and they put a bunch of kids in a room. And they wanted to know when they watched it and when they were not going to watch it. And they brought in toys to be labeled like the distractors. And so they would lay these toys out in this room with a couple of TVs playing Sesame Street and then a bunch of researchers probably behind some glass or something taking little notes trying to figure out when they watched and when they would not watch. Now the interesting thing they discovered in this study is the kids didn't stop watching when the toys came out. The kids didn't necessarily stop watching when they got bored. They stopped watching when it didn't make sense from when a clip went from one thing to another. If they got confused, if it went from, uh, from alphabets to numbers too fast, then they said I, they would get confused, they would not understand the transition, and immediately go to the distractor, the toys. But if all of a sudden it came back on the screen that something that made sense, and it went from one thing to the next, they had no problem watching the entire episode and not ever once looking down at the brand new toys. So it makes sense then for a second for a lot of us, if, if things in our life make sense, if we can transition from one thing to the next, if what's before us doesn't confuse us, a lot of times we're willing to stick with it. Um, and that's an amazing thing to think about when you watch TV yourself. If you're in an episode or if you, walk, if you come in halfway through something, most likely you won't stick with it. But you'll stick with it if you are able to make sense from one scene to the next what is occurring in whatever TV show or movie you're watching. So this morning, if we're not able to be confused by God's word, but make the transition for us in our lives, um, then amazing things will happen because we believe in it. We believe in transitions that will work. The sad news is um, many of us, and for myself, we put our faith in transitions that, that won't last. If we can transition from this type of government to this type of government, then everything will be better. If, we can transition, if I can transition my life from this job to this job, then all will work out just fine. I mean, I believe in it. Um, for the past four months, I was telling Dave I've been trying to sell my house. I live in Kennesaw, Georgia, and I have a belief in my life and my family that if I can transition from this house to a house in Marietta where I'm closer to my work, then my life won't be as stressful between my wife and my, ch my child. You see how we have these belief in transitions? That if we can make these adjustments in our life, then everything will kind of sort itself out. Um, the sad part is we've discovered, and I've discovered, that those things sometimes fall short. We fight for them, and we keep forcing sometimes transitions to take place because we think that'll make us feel better, um, or work out better. I went to... Um, the first ever, I guess, Kennesaw barbecue competition ever. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a barbecue competition. It is a sight to behold. Not much of a barbecue. I'm happy to eat it. Um, but the grills um, literally would be the size of, like, the entryway here. Um, these massive double grills that people would spend days cooking barbecue. Well, Amy and I would just, we, we love watching people, and it's probably a sin of ours a little bit um, because it's fun. I mean, let's just be honest, people. If you sit in a movie theater for a while, and just watch some of the scenes going in and out. It's, it's good times. 
Um, so imagine now at a barbecue competition, um, the scenes that were going through, and we were just like, this is amazing. And so we were walking around and just kind of having a good day in the afternoon, just enjoying things. And then we walked by a couple of uh, these barbecue booths, and they started handing us barbecue. Remember, I'm the cheap person. You hand me free food, I'll stick around for a little while. And it was an incredible thing because we'd walk by these booths, and some people were like, hey, try this, and try this brisket. And we were so excited. Um, but then there was this one who had these trophies lined up in front of their booth. And he was like, that's the one I want to try. I mean, they had these others, like amateurs, like just a basic grill. I was like, oh, that's nice. Thanks for the try. But there was this one who, this guy was extremely focused on what he was doing. And you can tell this, was, this is his living. I mean, this is how he made it from day in to day out. And it was really frustrating for me because all I begged for was a transition from his plate of what he was cooking to my plate. And I would walk by him multiple times. You know, there's moments when you're trying to get someone to say something to you or you're just trying to have that interaction. Um, and so I did. I would cough. I would stop and look. Well, that looks nice. Okay? And nothing would take place because we would fight for these transitions um, because we see them as being absolutely valuable. But yet when transitions sometimes do take place, um, it's absolutely beautiful. I mentioned earlier I grew up as a preacher's kid. Um, I was the tip, not, not When you say preacher's kid, so many of you start thinking, oh, preacher's kid, right? I, I was not very exciting. Um, I was pretty much just a basic do-good, everything's happy, wonderful, went to church every day, um, learned all the wonderful church songs. Um, but there was a transition for me, and I can't give you a date. I wish I could. My wife can tell you exactly when it was for her. But for me, uh, a transition um, took years. I mean, I understood the church stuff. I even liked the idea of Jesus and I liked the idea of church. It wasn't that bad. I knew the songs. I knew the incredibly right things to say at the right moment. Um, but it had to be a bigger step for us. Um, really, a, 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 between me and Jesus, it was a, as a transition um, that was beyond someone who just went to church. And that hurt. Um, not only did it hurt me, it hurt my family. Because I had a dad who raised me, who, who, who me and him still talk every single day. But at some point, it was in my college, I guess, dorm room, I called my dad and said, Dad, I've been going to church every single day of my life. Um, I know this stuff. You can quiz me on it. I'll win most Bible trivias there are. But it, it's not real yet. I understood it. I studied it. I lived and breathed it in my family. I went to more church services than most kids growing up ever will. And then all of a sudden, a transition had to take place that was bigger than one I could ever imagine. And I think that's where we find our church, First Presbyterian, and a lot of Christians struggling. Because we'll buy into it, and we'll even hear people say, I love the idea of your Jesus, but I really struggle with what that means in my life. I mean, our culture is not shocked by this Jesus anymore because they like the idea of Jesus who frees... Um, frees the oppressed, and, and helps out those who are widowed and struggling and the orphan. The social justice ministry of Jesus is going really well. That's not what our culture is fighting against anymore. It's the idea of knowing Jesus and having that relationship with him that is shifting our understanding. It's what's absolutely challenging me and it's challenging in our church because we've got this way of doing things that we do it really, really well but when that applies to a regular life, day in and day out, it's something that we absolutely struggle with. And so we've tried to use terms, I think, in the church like relationships. Um, we need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it sounds good and beautiful, but um, to be honest with you, for the longest time I didn't know what that meant. 
Um, and then I got married, and I kind of got the idea of what that meant, and it's become bigger and bolder to me. Um, but that's the relate language that Jesus used of us being married to him. When you think about it, it's used multiple times to describe heaven, that Jesus was at a wedding ba- banquet. Matthew says over and over, the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet. When two together become one. I mean, Jesus' um, first miracle, turning water to wine, was at that wedding banquet. Jesus embraced that, and he called his church his bride. And so to understand this idea of Jesus, for me and for each of us, I believe it comes around this idea that we have to understand it around this idea of relationship. It's not just a relationship between friendships, because friendships are wonderful, but it's a relationship that actually feels pain when the other feels pain. It's a relationship that actually understands that if something goes well, we rejoice, and if something saddens the heart of Jesus Christ, it saddens our heart as well. And those two connected become an overwhelming experience. It becomes one in which we can't really understand, but yet we speak of it all the time as relationships. And it's sad because I think our world's stolen that term from us. Um, yesterday I went to a football game um, in downtown Atlanta, and there's so much parking from there to choose from um, when you go to a football game. Um, and if you're like me, you have to park as close as possible. Meanwhile, my wife gets very frustrated with me, saying, why don't we just park here and walk? Park here and walk. No, 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 I, I can get a better spot. I can get a better spot. Um, and there's people waving you in, trying to get you to pay this incredible price. And um, I was very prideful, um, as I saved $5, parking a little bit closer. And I get out of the car, and I'm proud of myself. And I looked at my wife and said, look at that, I saved $5. We can get a bottle of water now. <laughs> and she says, that's great, it's wonderful. And I get out, and I know some friends, and my family's coming to the game as well. And so I go meet the guy, and I give him my, our money, and I say, listen, I have um, my father coming, and I said, can I go ahead and pay for these extra spots? He says, yeah, that's great, it's wonderful. And my dad comes down, and my dad's just as cheap as I am. And he was like, oh, this is perfect. We saved $5 by parking here. We should get like a season pass to this place. You know, this is just a corner lot of some random, I don't know if the guy actually lives there, but he was just taking up the money, and it worked for us. My dad went up and talked to him. He said, listen, we're going to be at the rest of these games. We'll go ahead and pay you if you promise to save us a spot, and we'll come here every time Tech plays home. And he was so excited about it. And the guy looked at him and says, well, we might be able to work something out if we develop a relationship together. And I sat there and listened to that term, a relationship. My mom was walking to the game. And you can, my mom's the typical mom. She's knitting at the football game. And she goes, isn't that wonderful? Your dad's going to develop a relationship with that man. A relationship with that man. I mean, there is a term of relationship that you have these interactions with. But a relationship, I think, in which Jesus calls us to is a deeper, more sense of caring and compassion that feels the pain and rejoices in those moments. And I think that's what, what he called Peter to. He met Peter exactly where he was. He saw him. He embraced him. And he says, I need you to move from becoming a fisherman to becoming a shepherd. You, you've coined these phrases in this church now, Peter, of you've got people hooked on Jesus, and that's wonderful, and you've been able to extend yourself away from that, but I want to move you to a whole different understanding. And I think there's two things he does to Peter that allows him to move from becoming a fisherman to becoming a shepherd. One, he faces Peter's sin right in front of him. You know, it says Peter was hurt by him asking three times. Jesus wasn't going to ignore what Peter did. He embraced it right where he's at. He says, listen, we need to face your sin. He was incredible with his words because he didn't necessarily just point it out, but he said it three times. 
And don't think Peter, knowing his sin, because you know when you've got something deep inside you, any time you hear something that hints of your sin, you, it just hits your gut. And Peter is sitting there going, that hurts. So Jesus faces his sin. He doesn't allow him to live this parallel life where he's saying, well, this is your ministry life, and this is your non-ministry life, or this is your sinful life, and this is your non-sinful life. He says, I'm going to come crashing into your life, and I'm going to hit you right where you're at. And I'm going to make sure you love me. And in that, Jesus fosters forgiveness. So he moves from this facing his sin to offering forgiveness. And where is that in the scripture, Keith? I don't see fostering forgiveness. When Jesus says, get to work, I need you to feed my sheep. Right then and there. He doesn't wait to see if Peter's gone through some training. He doesn't wait to see if Peter's ready or if he has any more questions or if he want to walk through a couple scenarios. Because he knew Peter, Peter will never be ready. Me and you will never actually be ready to do these things. But he says, you know what? Feed my sheep. If you love me, move from becoming a fisherman to becoming a shepherd. What does that mean for me and you then? We do some wonderful things, and fishing seems so distant and relevant because we, we want to throw things out there and hope things work out and kind of keep our distance and we can just reel them in for Jesus, everything's fine. But shepherding says, I'm going to walk alongside them and live amongst them. I'm not going to just do it when it works out or when I have my day off. Shepherding walks right into the office place and meets people exactly where they're at and lives with them day in and day out. The transition is incredible. You're taking someone who doesn't know the language of being a shepherd. You're taking someone who doesn't understand fully how it means to live the life of a shepherd and saying, that is what I'm called you to. I work in a church who doesn't understand that. Maybe for a lot of us in this room, we are people who really don't understand what it means to really be a follower of Jesus Christ. We've gotten good at following some morals and following this idea of social justice and living these principles of Jesus Christ. But to open that into our life, that invades every area, that opens us to a new teaching, that moves us from being good churchgoers at First Presbyterian Church to true shepherding disciples, that takes us um, into our personal space, into our homes, that takes us from seeing to truly believing, and ultimately that moves us from death to life. And that's where our church is. A church of, of people who are trying to become people that are moving what sometimes are, are death-giving things where it, it seems to be dying church. You hear that phrase all the time. And we're trying to be a church that moves to life. We are praying for you. As you transition, um, as you move this place, um, this square and this city in your own personal lives, to a life full of Jesus Christ. You don't understand the terms, and I don't fully understand it, and we're still trying to figure it out. But God has called us to it, to this full participation. And so we break bread together, and we share in the cup, and we participate in the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, what it means to make this movement. God, as David said, to fill that gap that's between us sometimes.